Sarah, and thank you, Every Nation Vancouver, for the opportunity to be with you today. And I long for the day that I can be with you in person. In fact, it has been too long. It has been over two years that Julie and I have been with you in person, and that is just too long. Uh, Dr. Greg Mitchell, you are missed, but not as missed as the most loved and most highly favored and longed for and desired uh, pastor's wife, Debbie Mitchell. You are missed a lot, a ton. You are Wonder Woman, and we can't wait to see you. My wife sends her greetings to you as well. Ladies, Vancouver, um, Every Nation Vancouver, my wife gives her greetings uh, to you. I want to give greetings and congratulations to Pastor Jonathan uh, Mitchell uh, on, your, on your wedding. Uh, Steph, look forward to meeting you. I've heard a whole lot about you. Uh, Pastor Matt and Kate Johnson, you guys are amazing, and I need some more videos. I need some more videos. To all the guys I played hockey with last time I was in town, my shins still hurt, <laughs> but uh, look forward to uh, playing some hockey with you in the future. And to everyone else joining today, my loving greetings again from Chandler, Arizona, sunny Chandler, Arizona, the Grand Canyon State, and um, we uh, invite you to come join us as soon as the border is open. But I'm glad to be with you today. If you have your Bibles, turn to our text, Psalm 84. Psalm 84, verse 9. we got to dive right in because Pastor Jonathan said I only have 90 minutes. Uh, just kidding. Not that long, but uh, we're going to dive right in today as we continue this uh, series, Awesome God. So really excited about it. Turn Psalm 84 as I'm turning there. Give you some more time to get there. Psalm 84, we're going to start with verse 9. So behold, our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God and dwell in the tents of, than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord is a sun and shield, for the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold for those who walk uprightly. Our Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for the opportunity, for the technology that we can be together today. Lord, we thank you for sending the most generous gift of your Son, to save our lives, to purchase our lives. You bankrupt heaven so that we um, could have eternal life. And for that, we're forever and eternally grateful. Jesus, you're our hero. You're our king. You have the name above all names. And we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for your love for the Father and for us and for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, anoint me today that I would speak God's words boldly, with love, let, there be, let them be clear. Let revelation come today. Let eyes um, see, ears hear, and hearts receive uh, your love and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we have been in a series along with you called Awesome God. And we've been looking at the attributes and character of God. Uh, we here in Chandler, at Bethel, Chandler, we have been actually 
looking at some of the names of God, like Elohim, Almighty God, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Uh, Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? The God of all creation. And uh, we've been uh, looking at uh, names like Adonai, Lord and Master. And from these names, we find the character of God. And so today, uh, as we continue this series, Awesome God, together, I want to unpack another name of God. And uh, some uh, uh, say it this way, and some say it another way, and I'm going to say it both ways, and you can pick which way you'd like to say it. But it's Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh Jireh, and that's the God who provides. And we'll get to the scripture that it's first mentioned in, um, in the Bible, and to who, in a minute. But before we do, I want to talk about, uh, I want to share a verse that we have built this series at Bethel on. And it's, it's found in uh, Psalm chapter 9, verse 10. Psalm chapter 9, verse 10, and it reads this way. It says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. So when you know the name of God, when you know his names, uh, you know his, his character, and you know his attributes. And when you know his character and attributes, you will put your trust in him because he's faithful, he's good, uh, he's, he's trustworthy, right? And uh, he'll never uh, leave you or forsake you. He's the God of all creation. He's all-powerful. And, um, and so the more you know his name that reveals uh, his character and his virtues, the more you'll trust him. And the more you trust God, the more you put your trust in God, the more you'll see that he will not forsaken you as you seek him. Because when you know God and when you know his name, you can't help but want to seek him. You, don't, you can't help but want to pursue him. And so in that today, as we look at that name, we're going to see how God is generous. God is generous. He's, he is generous. And that has incredible influence into our lives ramifications in our lives when we understand that. When we don't think God's generous, that also has uh, ramifications. Uh, we see that from really all the way from the beginning in the garden and that somehow God wasn't going to supply all that Adam and need, Eve needed, that somehow Satan had deceived them that he was holding out on them, that he wasn't all that generous, that there, there was much, much more that God was holding out. But that was a lie, wasn't it? God was generous. There was only one thing. There was only one thing in all the creation. Everything else they could have, but just one thing. And um, that's the lie. If you, if you think anything other than God is generous, then you're believing a lie because God is generous. And so before I get any further um, into the message today and how God is generous and the name of God, Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Jireh, um, the Lord who provides, I want to thank you, Canada. I want to thank you for uh, being so generous to me, okay? Many of you don't know this, but Canada has been like a second home to me. I grew up in Michigan, and um, I would uh, be taken to Canada all the time. I had two older brothers who played hockey, and um, Canada, you offered uh, incredible hockey tournaments to play for my brothers to get better. That ultimately led to my uh, second brother, Mark uh, getting drafted by the Detroit Red Wings his senior year of high school, and uh, and that was because he played Canada he played hockey in Canada all the time, 
In fact, uh, he played for the Windsor Spitfires that went on in the 80s to win the Memorial Cup. See, hopefully I get a little, you know, Canadian um, uh, uh, favor today, you know, just maybe open the door to know that, man, it like Canada has been a second home. I love it. In fact, Canada growing up as I was young had, was so generous to me and that every time I bring an American dollar over, you guys gave me five quarters back. Five quarters growing up, and and that that's just your generosity. You give us give me more change that allowed me one more video game, and um, just just kidding. But but seriously, um, your generosity as well as uh, the clothes were heavily discounted for me, and not just discounted. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is your generosity in giving me fashion before things were fashionable. I was the trend center, trend setter growing up because you guys always lead the way in fashion, don't you? And you, I mean, just look at your pastor, Pastor Greg, he comes here, everybody's always awed and wowed and, you know, his clothing, how he's dressed and you, Jonathan and, and Debbie. So you guys just thank you for the generosity of the fashion that you give us. But we're going to continue on this generosity and the theme of generosity. And I've got five uh, five points that hopefully I'll get to um, since I only have 90 minutes. I don't know if I'll get there or not, but uh, five uh, truths that generosity um, brings into our lives, into our homes. And, and, and so we're going we're gonna to get to those in a minute. But before we do, let me get back on this point. The more we know God's name, the more we will trust him. And again, the more we trust him, the more we'll see that he will not forsake Forsake any of us who seek him. And, uh, you know, in Hebrews eleven six, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, for years, I read out of the NIV that translated this verse that uh, it's impossible to please God without faith. You must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Really a poor translation in that it better reads, the King James, as I read earlier, that it's impossible to please God without faith, that you must believe that he is. The more you know who he is, the more faith you'll have to trust him and that he will reward you for seeking him, for diligently seeking him. See, the more you trust him, the more you'll seek him. And the more you know his name, the more you'll know his character and his attributes. In fact, the more you magnify his name, the more you praise his name, the more his presence shows up in your life, which stirs your faith to believe and to even seek after him more. Okay? Now, one of the ways we can know his name and discover his name by getting into the word, right? Getting into the word, we're going to find out what his names are. We're going to find out his character, how um, he's a promise maker and a promise keeper. He's a promise maker and a promise keeper, as you can find thousands of promises in the word. So when you get into the word, you'll find and you'll discover who he is because he is the word, right? John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. Who is the Word? What is the Word? Jesus is the Word. So the more we get in the Word, the more we will behold who He is. 
And as you behold who he is, you will begin to see who you are. The more you know who God is, the more you'll know who you are. Don't we all long to know who are we? What is our purpose? What has God called us to do, right? And so um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've given your heart to Jesus, you've been born again. John chapter 3 says you've been born again, born again into God's family. You're now his son or daughter. And, and as you get into this word, you'll discover what your family's all about, what your father's all about. And the more you know your, your roots, the more you know what you, who you belong to, the more you will know who you are. The more you behold him, it's like in a mirror, you'll see who you are. You'll see who you are. We see dimly now, but the more we dive in, the more we press in to him, the more we're going to see who he is. And the reflection then will show us who we are. And when we know who we are, then we live differently. In fact, let me make this claim right now. None of you watching, if you've been born again, have a sin problem. You don't have a sin problem. No Christian has a sin problem. Jesus took care of that sin, all of it, your past, present, and future sin. We only have identity problems. That's the only reason you and I would ever sin, is we've forgotten who we are. And the way we stay in tune to who we really are is we get into the Word. We get into the presence of God. We, we get into the checking out the mirror, right? Uh, James chapter 1, verse 22 says it this way. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only foolish, fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You know, for years, for years, even after I was a Christian, I interpreted that verse as I get into the word. The word was a mirror, but the word was showing me all my imperfections. It was showing me all of my sin. But that's not what this verse says, is it? It doesn't say it's showing us all our sin. It's actually showing us who we really are. And if there's anything in that mirror that is kind of like a dirty mirror, right? A, a, a mirror that's dirty kind of keeps the true reflection from being fully seen. So our, our sin, when we're not living right and our conscience isn't right and we have guilt or shame and, uh, and condemnation, which let me say this, let me just be bold to say this, guilt, condemnation, and shame are not tools of God. They are tools of the devil, okay? Those are tools God uses in our lives as sons and daughters. Before, be, before we got saved, those things were, uh, were real and true. We were we all uh, uh, full of shame, uh, guilt, and, and condemnation. But Jesus came to save us from that, to remove it from our lives. Amen? And so again, when we get into the Word, and if there is something 
that is obstructing us from seeing who we really are, then praise God, we've got the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and purify us, clean our conscience, clean the mirror, okay, so that we can see clearly who we are, that we can see clearly into the perfect law that reveals our new nature, our real nature, our eternal nature, amen? And the more we behold, we become. As Corinthians says, what we behold, we become. And so it's so important what you're beholding and what you're beholding about God. What do you behold about God? Psalm 84 begins, behold, what, what do you behold about him? What do you think about him? What you think about God is so important. It might be the most important thing. The most important thing is what you think about God because that causes, that affects how we're going to trust him how we're going to seek him, what we believe about him, then ultimately reveals our own nature and who we really are. And, you know, if we don't know how incredible our God is, how awesome God is, we won't know how loved we are and how precious we are to him. If we don't understand how much God loved his son, his only begotten son, Jesus, and how much Jesus loved the Father, we won't know how much it cost him to purchase us. And, 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 and that was a whole lot. In fact, you know, if you're struggling with your worth and your value, you need to understand something. Jesus was what was, what was given. God, the Father, gave up his son his most precious possession, okay? He gave him up. He gave everything. As I prayed earlier, it's if God the Father bankrupt heaven to purchase you. Who and what determines the value of something? Well, I heard it said it's determined by what somebody's willing to pay. And what was our Father, what was our God willing to pay for you? Everything. That's how valuable you are. That's how valuable I am to him, amen? I mean, and that, I mean, just that revelation, beholding that causes me to live differently. Again, and this is my, my point is that we don't have, as Christians, we don't have sin problems. We only have identity issues. Identity, identity lapses when we sin, right? We've forgotten who we really are in that moment. We've forgotten how valuable we are. If we knew how valuable we were in that moment, we wouldn't do the things that we, we do. We would trust God and we wouldn't have to lean our own understanding in those moments that are difficult and hard. And there are difficult and hard times. We're living in one. But when we understand how valuable we are, how chosen we are, who we belong to, and that he'll never leave us or forsake us, and that he gets into the boat when we're in the storm, the storms of life. And that he, when he walked the earth, had the power to speak to storms, to stop. He said to us that we could speak to mountains, that we could speak to mountains, and they would have to move if we believed. And how are we going to believe like that, you guys? How are we going to believe that? We got to know how big and great our God is. And the more we know his name, the more we know his attributes. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Yahweh Jireh, the God who provides. And we know that name is, is, um, is revealed with the father of our faith, Abraham, as he's, as he's leading Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him. 
And he's ready to give it all. He's ready to obey God and, 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 and sacrifice his son. But the angel of the Lord Jesus stops him and says, no, whoa, Abraham, stop. No, look there in the, in the, in the, uh, in the thicket, there, there was a ram. There was, there, was a, there was a substitution that Isaac didn't have to be given up there. God provided, and that's where Abraham said, uh, Yahweh, Jireh, the Lord has provided. And in, in, in Corinthians, it, it says this, and, and understand how valuable you are, how generous God is in that, in, in, is here in uh, 2 Corinthians, um, actually Romans chapter 8, verse 32. For God has proved his love. God has proved how generous he is by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered up as a sacrifice uh, for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else that he has to give. Think about that. He's given everything. Why would he hold back anything that we need? He won't. He won't hold it back. He will give us everything we need at the right time, at the right time. In fact, Jesus said this, don't worry about the things that the world worries about, right? But seek first, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and he will add all those other things on. He will give them and he wouldn't just give them. He'll give them generously. He'll give them generously. He said, do you see the, the, the flowers in the field, the, the, the lilies? Do you see how beautiful they are? You see that the birds are always provided. More than enough. More than enough. Why more than enough? Because God wants to pour out his generosity on you so that you can be generous to others. So that you can be generous to others because your generosity is powerful. It does great things, and we'll get to that. But before we do, I want to sum up this, this point. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Um, the Apostle Paul says this. Verse 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty, let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. Hallelujah. You understand that your generosity will never, never be forgotten by God. Verse 10, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant toward you, toward me. First, he supplies every need, plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. 
For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. The priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, it inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. For as uh, your extreme generous offerings meet, meets the approval of those in Jerusalem, it will cause them to give glory to God. All this because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ, as well as your generous-hearted partnership with them toward those in need. Because of this extraordinary grace, which God has lavished on you, they will affectionately remember you in their prayers. Praise God for his astonishing gift, which is far too great for words. Hallelujah. I mean, that passage that Paul writes is packed full of the incredible principles and truths about generosity. And how do you and I live generous lives? It's as, it's as we behold. It begins by beholding how generous God has been toward us. How generous has God been toward you? I don't know about you, but God has forgiven me of so many sins there's no way I can even keep count of it. In fact, he's forgiven me of things I'm not even aware of. He's paid off debts and things in my life that I'm not even aware of. He, that's how generous he is. He goes and pays things off that I didn't even know I had. You didn't even know you had. There's so many things you and I have done that are so wrong, so wrong. We're not even aware of it. But he paid for that too. He paid for it all, all of our past, present, and future sins, all of it. All of our sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. That's some kind of generosity. That, that can spark out of that, out of just that. Isn't there something you want to do? Like, like me, it's just like, God, what can I do? But to give you praise, right? I just, uh, what can I give you? You know, when we get this revelation of how good he is and how faithful he is and that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, he is a provider. He provides you the seed to sow, the seed to give. I remember years ago, I, I, I was driving through uh, an In-N-Out um, uh, hamburger shop, okay? The best burgers in town, okay? And French fries, fresh. We're driving through with my daughter who's about three and a half, four years old. And I ask her if she wants some fries and she says, yes, we go through, we get some French fries, I give her, the the, um, the the carton of french fries, the whole thing. I give it to her, the, all of it. And she's so thankful. She's, Thank you, daddy. Thank you for these french fries. And then I said, Isabella, would you give daddy some fries? Can daddy have some fries? Oh, there was no hesitation. It was like, yes, daddy. Yes, here's some fries. And she's, you know, like offering those to me. And I reached back and it was the sweetest voice, right? And I take the fries and I eat them. And then a moment later, she goes, Daddy, do you want some more fries? I mean, I can't tell you how amazing that made me feel. But in that moment, I had a revelation. Of, That's what our God does. That's what our Father does. Like, He gives us the bread. He gives us the seed. He gives us everything we need. And, and occasionally, He asks for some of it. Right? He asks for some of it. Not selfishly, but to advance His kingdom. To, to take the, this rich blessing and to bless others. God blesses us to be a blessing. 
God wants to increase us, not that we would hoard it. No, the blessings of God need to flow through us like a river. The only reason you would stop letting God's generosity flow through you is somehow you've forgotten that he's generous or some, somehow you think there's some lack or scarcity in God's kingdom. There is no lack. See, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. When you seek the kingdom, you understand that there is no lack in heaven. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. So you don't ever have to live with scarcity. It's really some, many times the reason why some people struggle with, with being generous is they have this scarcity mentality and then they start having to hoard, right? And, and difficulties and storms many times can cause people to, to, to tighten up, but that's not the time to tighten up. That's the time to sow. That's the time to sow because that little bit's not going to make it, not going to do it. I mean, you may survive yourself, but what about everybody else? Amen? You got to let it flow. So number one, we got to get to these points because I only got a few more minutes. So, okay, number one, generosity brings freedom. Generosity brings freedom. There was a study uh, I read a couple of years ago um, in, uh, out of Switzerland, and they found this. The primary uh, route to, to boost happiness in your life uh, is generosity. It brightens your mood, it reduces stress, improves mental health, increases your lifespan. You want to live long? You want to live long? Be generous. Generous people live longer. They live longer. Hoarders die younger, okay? So you want to live longer, you want to you know, resist all the Botox and, and all the creams, be generous. I, I believe generous people get less wrinkles. I don't know that scientifically, but sounds good. Number two, generosity will be supplied. Generosity will be supplied. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply. The, the passage we read from Paul says that God gives seed to the sower. He gives the seed to sow. So when you're generous, when you realize God is generous, generosity will provide the supply to sow. He, generosity, will be supplied. Always will be supplied. When you have the attitude of generosity, he will give you the, 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 the supply that you need to, to, to let it go, let it flow. Number three, generosity releases power. Galatians chapter six, verse seven, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into the natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. And don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping and wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. It's coming. I said, it's coming. The word of God says it's coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to the brothers and sisters in the family of faith. So generosity releases 
power. There's power in the seed. There's power in the word of God. There's power. This is the seed. The, the, the word is the seed. There's power in this. Release it. Speak it. Speak the name of God. The more you behold his name and who he is and his character and his promises, come on, there's power. Okay, let it go. Release it. Sow it by opening your mouth, speaking the truths of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Amen. As we're speaking the word, as we're confessing the word, we are releasing it. Okay, we're not hoarding it. Okay, we're releasing it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, number four, generosity is rewarded. Remember, it's impossible. It's impossible. Hebrews 11.6 says it's impossible to please God without faith. You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Generosity. You responding, you believing that God is generous in return causing generosity in you. It will be rewarded. It will be rewarded. Philippians 4.17. I mention this not because I'm requesting a gift, but so that the fruit of your of your generosity may bring you an abundant reward. So generosity, it will be rewarded. And number five, last point, generosity will be remembered. Generosity will be remembered. I mentioned it earlier. God sees. He's El Roy E, the God who sees. He sees your generous acts, even when nobody else does. He sees it. He sees your actions. He sees your generosity. And Acts chapter 10, what an amazing story about Cornelius. Verse 1, at the time there was a Roman military officer, Cornelius, who was in charge of 100 men stationed in Caesarea. He was the captain of an Italian regiment, a devout man of extraordinary character who worshiped God and prayed regularly, together with all his family. He also had a heart for the poor and gave generously to help them. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had an open vision and saw the angel of God appear right in front of him, calling out his name, Cornelius. Verse four, he was startled. He was overcome with fear by the sight of the angel. He asked, what do you want, Lord? The angel said, listen to this. The angel said, all of your prayers and your generosity to the poor have ascended before God as an eternal offering. Church, family, God, God remembers your generosity. He remembers my generosity. He sees it. He sees that generosity and he will reward it. Generosity sets us free. We are free. You know, when you are generous with your, with your time, you're free. When you are generous with your, your resources, you're free. Those resources can't own you. It breaks like the spirit of, of the ownership of things off of you when you're generous with it. When you're just like, this is all, it's all yours, God. What do you want me to do? Like my daughter, who I gave the French fries to. When I asked for it, she gave it to me, but she didn't wait for me to ask. She came later to say, Dad, you want some more? Do you want some more? My question today is, do you know, do you see how generous God is? Do you know what he's done for you? He gave us his son. For God so loved us. He so loved us. He didn't just love. He so loved. He so loved us that he gave us his son. He gave us everything. 
Why would he withhold any good thing from us? He won't. He'll give it to us at the right time. At the right time, everything, nothing goes unnoticed. All right, I know I'm in overtime. Last verse, the disciples, the story about the rich man. And Jesus said to him, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And then he walked away sad. In verse 26, it says, Mark chapter 10, verse 26, it says, the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or field for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with (laughs) persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and first uh, and last first. Here's the point. God sees everything you give up for him. God sees the generosity. Okay, he sees your trust. The more you know God is generous, the more you know his name, the more you will trust in him. The more you trust in him, the more you will seek him. And the more you seek him, the more you'll see that he will not forsake in you because he is faithful and good. Amen. Let's pray. I'm going to pray, Vancouver, every nation of Vancouver, I already know you're a generous church. You're amazing givers. You're generous with your lives. You're generous with your resources. I've experienced that as I've come to visit you, and I can't wait to come again to experience more of that generosity. But let God expand us. Let God make us even greater, and let more of his blessings come into our lives and flow through us. Amen? All right, so if you're here and you're watching today and you don't know God, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I don't know exactly how he does it, but maybe in this message that the the nature of God, that he's good, that he's generous, that that you can trust him, somehow it it became real to you and you're ready to give Jesus your, your heart and your life, just pray this prayer with me. Okay, just pray this prayer, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he'll forgive you of all your mistakes, all of your sins. They will be forgiven, okay? And if you want to do that, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died for me. I believe you lived the perfect life, and then you died for my sins, my mistakes. And today, I put my trust in you, Jesus. As my Lord and Savior today, forgive me of my sins, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you pray that prayer, connect with somebody at Every Nation Vancouver. They're amazing. If I lived in Vancouver, I would be there. Dr. Greg, you're amazing. I so appreciate you and all that you've had. It's always a little scary preaching in, in, in your church because you've affected me so much that I'm bound to say something that I learned from you. And um, hallelujah, you're amazing. Uh, Church, let me pray one more quick prayer. Just increase uh, generosity over your life. Lord, I thank you for every nation of Vancouver and how generous they are. Lord, just continue to pour out your generosity on them. Lord, continue to bless them that they 
continue to be a blessing to everyone in their city. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you.